Rust run. Canadians get it back into the corner. Caulfield trying to come out in front. The puck comes free, another shot. Knocked away in front of the goal. Two seconds left. They're still at it. Armia's gonna run out of time. And Jack Campbell soups his way to a big 2-1 victory over the Maple Leafs. 18 victories in his last two seasons with Toronto. Joe Bowen on the call. It is a Leafs Nation postgame. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. What a way to start the season. A 2-1 win at home over the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, we have Justin Bourne standing by on the line. But first, I'll say hello to my co-host, Gord Stellick. Gord, not a bad start other than the actual start of the game. Yeah, you know, lots of positives for sure. Great to see the fans back in the building. And you forget, they had a really solid regular season. We think too much about the playoffs. And the key last year to me was finding ways to win games, which had eluded them the previous season. I thought this was a good example tonight in their season opener. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys as well. Text lines wide open, 590-590. Please include your name and location. We also want to hear from this man. Justin Bourne, you hear him all the time, loving the, the duo with Kipper and Sam McKee's basically a, a third co-host on that. Bourne, how you doing, bud? Uh, love hearing you, and thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it would be good if the Leafs were good. That would be a lot of fun for Kipper and I. But, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me kick off the season. So, so far, so good. Again, like like I said, aside from the start, early on, that was about as bad and flat of a start, uh, aside from Jack Campbell, as you could have asked for. And, you know, I, I definitely had some worries early on, but they were able to turn it around after what, what felt like just a slog of 10 minutes at the start for me. Yeah, it's actually really curious, isn't it? It's like the, the fans hadn't been there. The building hadn't been full in a long time, and you kind of felt like you owed the fans a show. The team that just, you know, your direct rival that upset you in a terrible way in the previous season, like you really expected this team to come out just guns a-blazing, and it was the complete opposite of that. It's almost like there was too much pressure and excitement because guys were running around out of position, D-man getting caught up ice. Uh, they had to rely on Jack Campbell in the early going, and he helped them get through that and find their game, and, and that's the absolute uh, turning point, the difference in the game for me. So, uh, Justin, first of all, you got to understand, Kippy worked with Doug McClain for so long, so, you know, he struggles. <laughs> they struggle for airtime, and he'll come down to earth a little bit that way, just so you know. <laughs> it wasn't, we it just wasn't we'll lovely. have you on for an hour every day, Stel. <laughs> hey, Gordy, appreciate well, that the other it, day. <laughs> yeah, no, that was fun. That was fun on Thanksgiving Monday. The show's been a lot of fun, but like I said, yeah, with Doug, I love Doug, but it was always a, a struggle that way to get a word in edgewise. Now, uh, yeah, you know, you don't, really don't want your goaltender tested like that but hey if he's going to be tested you want to come up with that huge save early I mean that could have made it kind of an ugly start which could have turned into an ugly game and you know Justin it's we forget Jack Campbell had Johnny Bauer type statistics last year for the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. I mean uh, but again the playoff where he didn't play badly but he got out goaltended like everyone else seemed to get outplayed when it no oh. I think I just oh, lost, lost Gord there. Always, well, it's always fun doing these doing these shows. You never quite know. Uh, yeah. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in there with them. You never. You never quite know what you're going to get uh, on these type of games. And and you know, I'll, I'll actually uh, direct it to a player that I've I've spoke with you about oh so much, Bourne, over the years. I mean, he had a yeah. goal tonight, so it, it it makes sense that we talk about him. You know, first game of the Leaf season, I'd like to talk about you know Mitch Marner, John Tavares. 
But Pierre Engvall, it keeps being a, a fluctuating thing, riding the wave of is he or not a guy? What can you get out of him on any given night? And tonight felt like just the ultimate highlight tape of why he can be so tantalizing and frustrating. On other well, I, th- I think there's uh, a misconception that Sheldon Keefe doesn't like him, but what Sheldon Keefe doesn't like is that he thinks he's so good, he shouldn't have to pro- you know, use a cattle prod to get him motivated uh, to, to be his best self as often as he seems to, because he believes that this is there. Like, you know, tonight, if you went through the lineup and, and talked about who their best players were, Pierre Engvall was certainly one of them. And not just the play he makes on the goal, though that's no small thing, being able to pump a shot and rip one home. But, you know, just every touch of the puck, one thing that he seems to have changed, and I don't know if it's a conscious effort or it was just one game, was he's going the right way with the puck. Like, you know, when they first got Keith in and they talked about that possession style and everyone, it was okay to, to run it back and regroup. Like, Engvall was the, a criminal offender at skating the puck towards his own zone. He got the puck going in the right direction tonight. So that's, that's a, a big contributor for things going well for him. I'm so happy you made that point about Keith and Engvall because I think if he didn't like him, you just wouldn't comment on him. And sometimes you're asked directly about a player and you have to comment, but there are plenty of times where it's a choose your own adventure with Sheldon Keith. And boy, 47 keeps finding his way uh, back and back and back to the topic of conversation. You know, I'll just, I'll just kind of expand that thought to that line in general. You know, he had his best success last year uh, with that, with that hem line when he was playing with, with Kerfoot and, and Hyman and, you know, obviously camp and Kasha are different players than those guys but I felt like even early on the first shift they got out there felt like the first shift the Leafs had something going on and it just felt like that line really kind of I I won't say carried the play because that's not what they're there to do but just comported themselves really well on opening night I agree I agree I like that line a lot Kasha kind of reminds me of Mikheyev in a way that like he doesn't seem to execute the end of all the sequences but he does a lot of things really well you know, that's not to say that Kasha can't score. He's, he's scored 20 in the league before. Um, but, you know, I like a lot of the things he does. He makes a lot of good little plays. Uh, he's aggressive. He's physical. Uh, seems like a smart player. So I like him. And then, yeah, Engvall being a part of that line seems like a pretty natural fit. Engvall reminds me of uh, like a Kapanen in that it doesn't matter what line he's on. He's always going to give you the same thing because he doesn't really work with his other line mates. Like this line is kind of like three independently decent players who help the team. I don't know that Engvall's ever a give and go work with his line mates type of guy, but I did like the three of them as a trio, particularly when they're going to be your third line and, and PK guys. and You don't have to get them out there, you know, over 15 minutes a night. It is I, just, uh, and I'll bring back in Gord. So Gord, hey. sorry, I just want to make a quick point here. It is so funny to see how quickly confidence can just kind of shoot through. Oh, did we lose Gunner there? You there, Gord? I am here. Yes. <laughs> All right, we okay. lost guns. Well, okay, I'll well, hand it the, to you. The trials and tribute. Well, I, I, I can't. I don't know about the tribute he was going to give Pierre Engball, but I was going to give a tribute about talk about three. Uh, the two men, the two man disadvantage. I mean, that was one. Uh, what it was about a buck fifty or so. They're down two one, and again. When I, when I talk about the ability in one-goal games to win them, and that's what really impressed me with them last year in the regular season, uh, that was a real good, energetic, aggressive penalty kill when they were two down. Yeah, no, really good for sure. You know, the, the highlight of, of it being the Justin Hall, you know, getting back and, and making a save, I think with his back he made the, the save. But it was. It was aggressive at the at the blue line in terms of not letting them get set up. And I don't know how often you encourage an aggressive five on or three on five penalty kill, 
But, um, you know, when you get the chance to go, you go. And, and that's the biggest thing is just not letting the team set up. I wonder, though, and, you know, get your thoughts on this, too. How big a difference not having Shea Weber, uh, you know, how much that makes for, for uh, Montreal, not having that big threat at the top. That seems huge to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, I'm back here. It's uh, We're playing like Clark Kent in the telephone booth, just jumping in, in and out of the hit here. Uh, Brent, Brent Gunning, uh, Gord Stellick, joined by Justin Board on uh, Leaf Station postgame here and uh, kicking off things with a win. I agree with what you say about the idea of it was really interesting to see. It's one thing to be aggressive on a five-on-four. You have more room to make up for it. The lanes are a little tighter. You can kind of actually pressure because there's just less real estate to, to work with for each guy. But I, I think it's a completely different animal when you have a guy like Shea Weber there. But it felt like I don't know. I don't know how you, either of you guys feel about this. Gord, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. It felt like they still were acting like Shea Weber was back there. Like it was just heavy point shots from distance on a five on three. And with guys like Suzuki and guys like Caulfield, it just felt like that isn't how you should attack. I mean, the Leafs will take it any any day, but it did feel like they almost thought Shea Weber was going to just appear at some point in time. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of see the, what you're talking about. It's funny, you, you know, and another one I was going to throw Brent, uh, throw Justin's way was about Brendan Gallagher. Like it's like it's interesting. He's making um, part of the salary cap world and you got to respect that he's been lifer so far in what he's done. But he's kind of back on the third line again and not getting a lot of power play time. And I don't, you know, for a guy that, you know, could be very, very valuable in the playoffs. So, you know, it's, it's interesting as you try to fit all these things out. Cause Brent, you talked about Montreal. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you see them, Justin. Like I, I kind of Montreal fans will jump all over us. See, you never picked us. You never picked us, which I didn't in the playoffs and, you know, good on you. Enjoy the run. But uh, I, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. No, I mean, two years ago, I think they fit, they were 24th in the league and they got into the that weird play-in because of the, you know, they had 24 teams in. And then last year they were 18th in the league, you know, in, in terms of overall points league-wide, but they got in uh, by the skin of their teeth to, to go on the run that they did. I don't see how they're going to be a better team. You know, they lost, the, the line that was very good with Brendan Gallagher was Gallagher, Tatar, and Deneau was one of the best lines analytically in, in the NHL, whether they were or not as I don't know, but they were good. And then no Weber, no price. Like these are significant blows and like Christian Dvorak's good, but you're taking a team that was middle of the pack at best in the last two regular seasons. And I think they're a little bit worse And that division with at least four other uh, top end teams. I, I don't, I don't see them finding their way in either. Yeah, I, I didn't even believe it was happening when, when I saw it with my own eyes, them in the cup final, and, and you just nailed it. The, the goaltender's not there. The the defense stalwart, not there. Uh, their, their number three pick overall from just a couple of years ago, no longer there. I know they got Dvorak, but I, I, I'm with you. I do want to bring it back uh, to, to the Leafs here, and, and when, when I'm looking at a guy tonight, maybe the guy I had my eye most closely tuned to was Rasmus Sandin, because I just think that he will kind of unlock a lot of what the Leafs can do this year. It feels to me like if that third pair really jumps and takes a leap it's because of his play we kind of know what Travis Dermott is not to say he can't make strides but it feels like it'll come from Sandine he had a couple of rough turnovers early on but a but he just finds ways to kind of make the right play and what did you make of of his of his game tonight 
I thought he was great. You know, I, you know, we have our group chat for the show and he was one of the names that I had on the, on the positive list for the night. You know, he got a couple of shots through from the point. He rung one off on the, off the crossbar. Um, he just looks agile and confident and seems to see the rink really well. I, I, I trust him, you know, and I know that he's young and he'll make mistakes. As you mentioned, a couple of turnovers, but I, I feel like he's a guy that has the poise and the, that calm demeanor you know, I don't know if it's a Swedish thing or not, but like there just doesn't seem to be a lot of panic in some of the Swedes I'm more familiar with within the Marley's organization, at least. He definitely has that trait, no panic button. And I think that that bodes well for a guy who handles the puck as much as he does. You know, by the way, Brent, I figured it out about, you know, us dropping off. It's it's one of Justin Bourne's rogue cats that kind of pr- are on Gotta the be it. all the time. Gotta <laughs> think, be it. I cats think in Flick, the system. Uh, yeah, Flick, one of the switches. I, uh, I, I, I like the way Sandine played as well and uh, and Justin. And I, I also like that it wasn't a thing where four defensemen got 20 minutes and two defensemen got 10 minutes. I yeah. mean, he and Dermot got the fewest minutes, but there really wasn't a huge disparity. I, I You know, it's kind of like I, I when you're the young guy and you want to show confidence early on, I can't stand that when they get 11 minutes all the time and are just afraid of any mistake. I mean, you you, you got to let them go in the deep end of the pool, and every now and then you got you got to let them grab that grab that little rope that they hold out there when you're swimming lengths and just go back in. Well, I've just been waiting for that to happen with Dermot. Like, at what point are you just going to say, "Okay, here's 18 minutes a night. Can you play?" And if you can't, we don't. You know, we'll find someone who can. They, you know, I think we're in year four here of generally giving the guy 11:54, 13:12, 12:58. Like, uh, I think he can handle a little bit more. So I, I do hope that with Sandine there on that third pair, they see them as a pair they can use more. And, you know, this is something that Kip has talked about on our show is that, you know, things didn't go well for Dermot under Dave Haxtall. You know, for whatever reason, some guys just don't jive with other guys. Haxtall was deploying the D and, uh, you know, things didn't get better for Dermot over the course of the season. If, if, you know, he works better with Dean Schwenauth and, you know, Sandine is good, they could have a third pair that, you know, to your point, you could be playing 16 minutes a night and ease the burden on a guy like Riley. When I wonder, I wonder too if what it, I wonder too if what it is there is that you know as much as Bogosian was the perfect kind of I don't know father figure for lack of a better term to throw beside him, it, it feels to me like you know with a veteran player like that, a player like Dermot, I, I felt like I saw him defer a little bit at times to Bogosian, and that's fine when it's deferring on decision making in the defensive zone. But I feel like with a guy like Sandine, and not to say Sandine's some wooden-footed defenseman, but I think we all think of him as like a slightly better skater than he is. He's really smart. He makes great passes but it should be Dermot skating the puck out if it's going to be one of those two guys and it just feels like a really clean fit as a pair for me yeah what you know what I'm curious to see is like are they going to be heavy enough against the big teams in front of their own net like at some point you need someone to play those sort of that role in those positions I you know I love regular season hockey 82 games you know the more good players you have on the ice that can skate it out and move it and make plays the better you know not as confident and this could be you know where the issue part of where the issue lied with them last year just i'm not as confident uh you know come playoff hockey so we'll see how they develop maybe dermot finds a physical edge and a little bit of extra grit out there but uh for now it seems like yeah it was, it was lovely tonight I, I still don't know a big pitcher it's an awesome third pair Borny, uh, thanks so much for the time tonight. Uh, you can hear more wonderful insight like that on uh, Real Kipper and Bourne, of course, right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Tomorrow, Borny, uh, thanks so much, bud. Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys. There he goes, uh, Justin Bourne. Uh, Gord, I mean, 
the, the start was what it was. I think sometimes you, you all expect, or we all expect the team to come out and play with, you know, this, this immense fire. And I think that sometimes you can get yourself in trouble running around a little too much, but it really felt to me like the game kind of settled in after the first 10 minutes of that first period. Cause it was a, uh, it, the game could have got out of hand early on there. Yeah. You know, and, and Brandon, it was kind of a weird one about, I know, uh, in the playoffs, a lot of visiting teams, or actually the home teams and visiting teams, they so much is made, so much pomp and circumstance and ceremony that actually it, the road teams get kind of psyched and the home teams get a little bit drained. And, you know, we weren't down there tonight. We're looking forward to being at Scotiabank Arena. Um, it it, it must have been really neat being there. Uh, they, they did a really good job. I thought that the, the game night ops did. But, uh, man, it's the first time, what, in about 500 days, You've had fans in the building. So there were just a lot. There was a lot of pent up uh, emotions going into the game. And, and, and to your point, you know, quite often that doesn't necessarily uh, transcend into, OK, let's go out and kick ass and score twice in the first seven, eight minutes. Sometimes it can. It was a bit helter skelter, you know, whether they were trying too hard or whatever it may be. And Montreal definitely had the edge. And the key thing is, boy, you, you, you love when your goaltender makes that first big save. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled. It was like in the first three seconds. But but he did that. And then, yeah, it, it did settle down. And then, and then other times when it opened up, I thought it opened up in the Leafs' favor more than Montreal's favor. Yeah, that, that second period, it felt like they really, really carried the place, pace of play. At the end of the game, I mean, we've seen this, and this isn't a Leafs thing. I think there are some teams who do a better job of this, but we see it all the time where a team is kind of clinging to a one-goal lead and you go a little bit away from the kind of tactics you like to use and it's just kind of house on fire, get the puck out of our end, and that, that definitely happened at the end. But for the middle section of that game, specifically the second period, I felt like the Leafs, the Leafs really, really, really carried the play. Then you mentioned the crowd there yeah of course you know lulls stops but uh that that crowd was ready after the five on three penalty kill like the building just just took off and and you're right we're gonna be down there on saturday i uh i can't wait to hear a moment like that uh we we've uh we've opined a lot and we'll opine some more but our uh our producer sam mckee poking around of course you hear him on the aforementioned uh real kipper and born mckee what were, what were your uh big big takeaways uh from tonight for first leafs 2-1 win well good evening fellas Sounded oh, great ha- uh, yes hello also yes uh, sounding great tonight, boys. Um, yeah, I would say that the player introductions, the crowd didn't seem too excited about anybody, did they? Like, was that the Tavares, most... that's it. Uh, Spezza, I feel like, got the biggest pop, yep. maybe, but I was really kind of surprised at how subdued the fans were, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised, you know. This team is, I wouldn't say giving them a ton of reasons to cheer in the postseason over the past few years, so seeing them kind of sit on their hands a bit during the intro, but the crowd pop on the Willie goal was really big, and can, I'm sure you guys have been talking about it, but just seeing the people in the stands aesthetically, as opposed to seeing those big old tarps over the seats, what a nice change of pace that was, eh? You know, I, I, I um, of course, hockey's my game. I love all sports, but I, I got to say, I don't know what it is. It... They, as hey, the fans support them in volumes. They pay top dollar for tickets. Tickets are, are, are really hard to get. Traditionally, they will be once again this year. I gotta believe, but uh, I they're, they're just that there just is not an energy in that building like there is for Toronto Raptor games or even like Toronto Blue Jays games. I was really impressed, like it, it was. And I, I mean, there have been times. Don't get me wrong, there have been times, but I, I really hope it can get kind of that home arena vibe and buzz a big part of it would be a winning team uh would help but uh yeah i know what you mean sam i don't i, I wonder if just a lot of people that you know it's just a hassle to go anywhere and good on the people that went there's still a lot of people that say i'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere but i'm not going to go right now and and i and i think just 
you're, you're, it was almost like, whew, I'm in my seat now. Whoa, that's good. Double vaccination I showed. We just, the tickets are first time ever. They're not printed tickets, yada, yada, yada. So, I, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I thought it was a nice presentation, but they did, they did not bring the house down. No, and I think I think the thing we all think of, right, is like at least at least the recent iteration of gold standards of this is like the bless you boys goal and the crap. The camera is literally shaking. You can't even see what is happening on the ice in the celebration because everyone's going so nuts. But that's what happens when you win. Right. Like it 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 feels like there will be moments of that. And look, Matthew's going to score a hat trick at home and William Nylander is going to have a two goal night. And Mitch Marner is going to make some crazy highlight plays on the power play. And the building is going to get loud for for stretches and moments like it did after after that five on three. But it's just it's the thing we've talked about with this team for a couple of years now. The vast majority of the fan base is saying, great, great. You're two one win tonight. That's lovely. Five on three penalty kill. We love it. Do it in April, do it in May, do it in the second round of the playoffs. And I think at a certain point in time this year, people will get over that, not not in the grand scheme of things, but in the in the building, and it'll pick back up a little. But I do think there's still that kind of hangover, even from the fan base. I think you, you kind of saw it tonight. Yeah, and I mean, can we just quickly talk about the fourth line again here? Um, how did they, I don't want to be too negative on opening night, but Simmons on a two-year deal looks like something that could be a little bit worrisome for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I didn't think Amadio brought anything, and Spezza looked a step slower to me. So I know it's opening night. I don't want to get too uh, too negative. They had a big win, but boy, that fourth line did not look too hot tonight, fellas. You you watch your tongue on Spezza looking slow. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if he beat it out or the puck just didn't get all the way down, but nearly beat out an icing call. So he's still got a little, but I, I think it's a fair point to make. Amadio feels to me like a placeholder that will not exist on this roster once Austin Matthews is back to being your first-line center. I think we were all mm-hmm. a little surprised to, to kind of see him there. And then I think with Simmons, you're going to have to almost do a bit of the... And I don't know what the cap machinations are that will allow them to do this, but it feels like you almost might have to do the game management thing. Like early on in the season, maybe not, but is he playing back-to-backs when January rolls around? Maybe not. And I think that that's what you have to do with a player like that because this is not Wayne Simmons of three, four years ago. You can't just throw him out there for 14 minutes a night and expect to get it. I still think you'll have nights where he really matters, and I think if you use him smartly, you can. And most importantly, once the top of that lineup fills out, mostly Matthews coming back, it allows you to kind of get away with that fourth line a little more to have that, that element that's Simmons brings. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm with you. you. Can't say anything bad about Jason Spezza to me. I mean, you know, if we're gonna you know break things down, and, and they do great things game by game. They do they do do that. But uh, I'm, I'm totally you know I'm totally sold on his value. Simmons. I mean, there there was an unevenness to his his um, year with the Leafs last year, and he had two back to back New Jersey, Nashville, Buffalo. Not great seasons there. After being what we know he could do in Philadelphia, and I I think just the the physical part is brings such value and is so important for him on the team that it that it's understood. So you can't you know he can't just sit on the bench and then all of a sudden if it's a real physical game play twelve minutes and otherwise play six. So uh, I I you know I I know he got hurt probably when he played his best game of the year last year, which was unfortunate. So uh, I see him in kind of a unique role. But uh, hey, and you know the other guy, uh, hey. First game, opening night, all that stuff, trying to trying to get a feel and that. You, you, you get a game. If you get a feel and you get going, you get in a groove, it's all good. You know, to, to your point, Sam, I think they never really did get going. I agree with that, you know. So you so you didn't get, get in that kind of flow. And they got okay minutes. They got okay minutes, but uh, uh, that way. But, yeah, if you're, if you're going to look at something, that, that wasn't a vintage game for them. 
Well, and the other the other thing about it too is that you know, and not that this is an audition of sorts, because I think when Matthews is back, Marner is going to be alongside Austin Matthews and Nylander and, and Tavares will be playing together. But it's if you were even looking for a world where you're asking yourself the question of, hmm, should you flip the wingers with those two centers? It, it wasn't. And again, it's it's one game. It was a it was the first game of the season, all that stuff. But it wasn't like it was some you know razzle dazzle highlight tape real game from from Tavares and Marner as a tandem there. So, uh, of all the newcomers, boys, who jumped off the page to you the most? I'll go first. Come on. One assist, 15 cross-checks in the back, eating it in front of him. <laughs> Michael Bunting, man. Stupid question. Great. No, he, look, it's like I know, like I'm kind of doing a bit of it's like, oh, Michael Bunting. He, but it, it was just exactly what you wanted. The When the game wasn't going well at the very start, it's a little thing, but he takes a run at a guy in the neutral zone, just showing he's alive, he's awake, he's in the game. He draws a penalty, they score on the power play, he gets an assist. Like, it just, it was exactly what you wanted. It was not some earth-shattering, I'm not giving him an A++. Like, it's not like he had a better game than William Nylander. I'm not saying any of that, but it's just in terms of coming as advertised and being that guy, he was that guy. So I, I got to give it to Bunting. Well, you, you look at Camp, uh, 17 minutes, 34 seconds of ice time, 351 killing penalties. I mean, I was uh, I was impressed about this that kind of This is the right answer. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, Justin Bourne, I heard him today with Kipper, and he brought up all these all these guys this year because we were talking about Wayne Simmons earlier that uh, the Maple Leafs, whether they, it was the Joe Thorntons of the world or what have you, they added guys that were 30 something, and this year they seem to be adding the 25, 26 year old. You know, just. Uh, not quite as old, but also not a 22-year-old. Like, they're just all these all these new players coming in that they've seen glimmers of real strong play, and then they've had inconsistent play. But, uh, yeah, for, for a couple of newcomers and not new to the NHL, uh, I thought they accorded themselves very well. Yeah, McKee, who'd I, you loved, like? I, I loved camp, too. And, you know, he was a guy that I didn't necessarily think you were going to be kind of really enticed by. But you can really see why they were willing to go over that a million dollar range with him and kind of give him a couple of years here because you can tell he's a big guy. He's in the right spots a lot of time. He had a great back check. I think it was on Suzuki there when it was a big spot. Comes in. I, I really liked what I saw from him too. You know, Kasha had some moments. He seems like a type of guy that maybe not quite to the same level as Mikheyev, but a guy that may, you know, have a lot of moments, but not necessarily shoot a lot of them in the net. He just kind of seemed to be around the puck, but didn't necessarily have the touch to finish him. So we'll see how that goes early, uh, later on in the season. But I really loved what I saw from camp tonight, and I did not expect to come on here and say that. No, I'll, I'll echo all that as well. And I, I I maintain, like, when that – the first good shift of the game from the Leafs was from, from the camp line. I think it was about the 16-minute mark. They'd been getting caved in. It was odd man rush after odd man rush. And there was a lot of moments like that where they just – they didn't change things. It wasn't like they had the big – they had the big offensive cycle going and they were just caving in somebody's line. But it was just a matter of, of the game always kind of feeling somewhat safe when, when he was on the ice. And then, and then at the very end of, I think it was – the second period there when they had iced the puck and they had all of the they they had Spezza and Camp were out on the ice for like a minute 16 and just the fact that he's able to keep his head above water well well dog tired and still be good defensively I think that that really shows something as well and you know and one other point and I know everyone knows about it they won't be in the lineup again tomorrow and he won't be on Saturday but 
when you when you're not when you're without your best player and you know someone who is a, a finalist for the Hart Trophy, somebody who wins the Rocket Richard Trophy. I mean, you know, who would have thought tonight Nathan McKinnon would be out of the lineup for the Colorado Avalanche and Alexander Ovechkin? All those question marks. The guy gets four points tonight. Will he play against the New York Rangers? Two goals and two assists for Ovi, and uh, and they won five one. And uh, it just, uh, I, I just, you know, there's very few players. I mean, Alexander Ovechkin's on that. The uh, Austin Matthews is kind of the kind of the new Ovi in many ways. But boy, uh, when you're missing your star player, um, that's ni- that that's a big hole. And I know the I know the Leafs' record is ridiculous. Like the record's good without Austin Matthews. Just like the Penguins' record is good without Sidney Crosby and F. Jenny Malkin, which makes no sense. But uh, but that would that that guy, you know, that that's a big guy that would be nice to be nice to have back in Toronto. So our good buddy, Steve Fellin and the crew at Sportsnet Stats, hooking us up with those numbers. The Leafs record in games without Austin Matthews, 24-13-2. And, and the power play is clicking at nearly 30%. So make of that what you will out there. Because, I mean, look, numbers make sense sometimes. Those don't make a, a lick of it. We're going to make some sense of this Leafs 2-1 win over the Canadians. What to expect tomorrow night in Ottawa. Plus, we'll hear from some of the principals. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick, and producer Sam McKee are here with you for Leaf Station post game. We need to talk about what just happened. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Marner turning back deeper into the Toronto zone. Thinks about heading to the bench and now will as Riley carries the puck to center. Up on the right side, Nylander breaking in on the wing. Goal! Holy Mackinac, Wee Willie snaps it home, and the Leafs have a 2-1 lead. Leafs Nation postgame, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here alongside me. You just heard Joe Bowen on the call there, of course. He loves calling out Willie Nylander goals. He loves calling all Leaf goals, but he puts a little extra on the Nylander ones, I think, and I love, love, love the call there. Love the shot, little Jason Spezza-like shot fake from Nylander. Actually, yeah, on the, on the Nylander goal there, Angball even threw uh, a little bit of one in as well. Uh, somebody who uh, didn't have to deal with Jason Spezza tonight because he plays on his team is Leafs goaltender Jack Campbell here. Here he is following his first and the Leafs' first win of the season. Jack, your first career start on an opening night back in front of a full building here again in Toronto. What was this night like to be a part of for you? It was just incredible for, for the entire group to, to have the fans back. We missed them so much, and, you know, it's, it's such an advantage having uh, Leafs Nation in the building. and they, they were loud. They were cheering us on all night, and I think that gave us the edge to come away with a big victory. So Montreal came out hot and they made the push there at the end. How are you able to stay calm in between it all? I mean, we've seen those guys a lot. I, I have total faith in, in the boys in front of me, and they bailed me out a couple times. Justin Hall with an absolutely massive block, and I owe him, uh, I owe him dinner for sure. And, uh, you know, all the boys just competed all night. We had a bunch of guys blocking shots on the PK the whole night, and I, I, maybe one or two got off to the net the whole night. So I, I owe the whole team. You mentioned the block by Justin Hall there on the five-on-three. It looked like he had a smile on his face as he skated by and you gave him a tap afterwards. What did you say to him? I just told him, uh, you know, I, I owe him dinner, and uh, it was a heck of a play by him, and that's what we uh, we need out of Halsey. He's a huge player for us, and he, he brought it tonight. One final one for you, Jack. You were saying yesterday, you know, at this point in your career, you expect now to be at your best anytime you're in the net uh, for the guys uh, that play in front of you. What is, what is the, how powerful and, and how impactful can internal expectations be for someone like you? 
Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I believe in myself, um, and I just believe I, you know, the way I, or I guess not believe, but um, my standard for myself, I expect to be at that level every night and to give these guys a chance because they're out there working so hard every night. And, you know, if uh, they do, the, you know, they, they do their job every night, I just got to try my best to, to make a couple saves and they take care of the rest. So it's fun to be a part of. Winning goaltender Jack Campbell alongside, I don't know, maybe maybe the guy with the best hair in the in the business, Kyle Bukowskis, interviewing him there. Uh, of course, Jack Campbell, the second star tonight. William Nylander first. Jake Allen getting nod as the, uh, as the third star there. I thought that was an interesting question that, that Campbell kind of asked, or uh, Bukowskis asked Campbell there about his own expectations. Because, look, you know, he went on the run and he became the guy he became last year, but... I don't know that he had time to sit back and think about it. I guess maybe a little when, when he got himself hurt and he was kind of on the sidelines. But it feels like this is just such a different beast going into the season being a, at least a 1A, if not the number one. Like I think I think it's a very interesting place that, that Campbell finds himself in. Well, it's the first time he hasn't been a backup goaltender. You know, last yep. year he was still a backup goaltender. And the question every year, oh, my good. And oh, the worst thing that Leaf fans learned was load management with Kawhi Leonard. And, oh, my goodness, <laughs> now with Freddie Anderson, got to get some load management. And, well, load management, you got to get a decent backup goaltender, which had been eluding them. And then he got this chance. And because of Freddie's injury dragging on, he got a chance to run with it. So here he comes as, as that number one guy starting an opening game. And, and also neat with fans there. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's he did all. I don't, I'm not saying he did that last year because there were no fans. He Remember, he did it when he came over in the trade the year before a few games when there were fans. He really, I don't know, whatever it was, um, Toronto has seemed to really agree for a guy that was the number one goaltender picked his year in the draft and took about almost eight years to try to try to find himself. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what it did, and you, you just hope he can continue with whatever he found last year. Now, so back-to-back to back tomorrow, Mrazek's getting in. I don't think there's any question at all about that. The next back-to-back back is, is not the coming Friday, but next week, Friday, Saturday. Do we think there will be a split of the games in between? The Leafs play the Senators Saturday and then the Rangers on Monday. Like, how much do you think they'll kind of give Campbell the ball to run with it a little bit, and how much do you think it'll be a true kind of 50-50 split? Well, I think 50-50 at the start because uh, they, uh, as long as they don't go 0-5 and and one, well, they can't, but say 0-5 in the next five games and, you know, one guy really has a terrible two games. I, I think they've got to get Peter Mrazek acclimated. I mean, he's a guy with more playoff experience than Jack Campbell has. He's actually had some playoff success. So I, I just think, Brent, at the start that uh, all things being equal, whether it's the first four games, six games, eight games, ten games, they'll do the 50-50. And then you start doing a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit leeway that depend who depend who is hot and depend who's just not going well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I don't think you can have a world where Mrazek is just kind of treated as the backup and he's coming in kind of cold. And again, like it shouldn't it it shouldn't matter all that much. You think professional goaltender, but it's completely different playing in front of a, or sorry behind a a different team than the group he had there in in Carolina. So yeah, I, I think you do kind of have to go fifty fifty split for at least at least the first ten games or so. And again, if if one guy just doesn't have it, this is of course of course completely uh, completely different. I I McK- McK- I, I, where are where are you at on, on the goaltending here? I mean, it's just such a. I mean, I I just like what I would give to just have the guy. Like this is going to I know just gnaw at my insides all season long. Once we get past the kind of fifty fifty split, when it is decisions that are being made, I know it's the right move. I know it's the way of the new NHL, but it just is still so hard for me to wrap my head around. 
Yeah, and listen, this is this is the new the new norm. This is the new sort of inefficiency is finding two goalies for under a certain amount of money that you can kind of ride here. But I think it's a pretty clear, even though Mrazek makes twice the money that Campbell does, I think it's a pretty clear message starting Jack Campbell in the first game that he's kind of their go-to guy, no? Like, he was their starter in the playoffs last year. He was pretty good. Uh, you know, he had some really big moments. He kind of got outplayed by Carey Price in a couple spots, but that's, I mean, that's not necessarily his fault. That's more about Carey Price. But I think I love what I saw from Jack Campbell tonight, and I think it's a really nice start to have that under your belt and to kind of set that standard for Peter Mrazek to kind of live up to, which is a which is a really important thing. These guys are going to be battling all year, and we, we had Cujo on Real Kipper and Born today. Not a big, big plug by me there. And he was just talking about how these guys could probably be friends, especially Jack Campbell, but deep down, it's going to be a really competitive thing, and I think that's going to turn out to be really good for the Toronto Maple Leafs to have two guys that they can kind of lean on. Yeah, I think I think they had to give you know out of they had to acknowledge give Jack Campbell a start for what he did last year. But mm-hmm. you know you, you know you mentioned that okay, so he got outplayed by Carey Price. They still got out goaltended, right? They've got out goaltended yep. every playoff, and that's was that was Freddie's downfall as well. And so you know you got to have both these guys ready and ramped up to be you know both viable options just like we talked about the fourth line earlier we you know the Leafs have to have that ramped up to provide some depth in games where the big guns don't don't come through and make a difference in a particular playoff game I mean that's uh, uh, again we all, all roads point to game number 83 all the time but in the interim we have to talk about the other 82 and we look forward to doing that Yes, uh, we, we do, and we'll be with you after each and every uh, Leafs game, of course, including tomorrow night. They'll be in Ottawa. We'll be live at the studio, getting ready, have you for the intermissions as well, because the game will be on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Then Saturday night, we'll be down uh, at the rink, of course, Scotiabank Arena. Can't, can't, can't wait for that. One thing that I noticed tonight, and look, like anytime, anytime officiating gets brought up, no one's ever happy with it, uh, other than if it's really one-sided, and then, gee, one side's happy with it. But there was such an emphasis made on the cross-checking and the hooks and all that and then look I know I know I have my eyes trained on this guy but Michael Bunting must have eaten about 10 cross-checks in the back just standing in front and it's it's just always that that's one moment in the game but it's just always funny how quickly and not to say I think the, the officiating is going to completely go away from this and I'll throw this to you Gord but it, it is amazing how quickly we the emphasis the emphasis and it, it always feels like a month and change into the season we're more or less back to where we started in terms of the way the game is called well we we saw last night something that was changed 10 years ago the Chandler Stevenson goal and uh, talking to Coley right. Campbell the vice president of ops for the NHL he, he's mentioned ever since 2005 they came out of the lockout uh, the previous Stanley Cup a year earlier had been Tampa Bay Calgary just a low scoring boring nobody could get any offense going so they looked to punish defense and help create offense so that's what all these moves are done that's why this clamp down and cross checking uh, is being done as well and you're and you know you're right tonight. I, I I can't think like you know you go by things the the kind of the beating Austin Matthews took one game if you considered it that. But certainly what happened to Kucherov. I mean those are the, those are the kind of plays. That's the kind of thing they're looking to try to protect the scores a bit more. And you you're right. It'll it'll be an uneven start, and there'll be a lot of unevenness during the course of the season. 
What are you what are you expecting tomorrow night in in Ottawa? Because I think that you know th- it's always interesting when you have a team that's been kind of sitting home and cool, and they're going to have all the energy that you were supposed to have tonight. Like it's just always such a u- unique environment when you have one team who's coming in on a back to back. And look, it's their second game of the season. Not to say they're dog tired or anything, but then you have a team at home that's starting off. And yeah, I know they won't have Kachuk in the fold in all likelihood, but it's still going to be a you know relatively electric building there. It's just such a unique dynamic. Uh, go for the juggler. Go for the juggler. This this is a, this is a wounded team, and uh, and Matt Murray uh, not feeling well, so not available for tomorrow night as well. And your heart and soul guy Brady Kachuk. I mean, this is different than when when William Nylander went to the eleventh hour. The Maple Leafs had John Tavares, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner in the lineup right up till then. So I, I I'm expecting and and uh, a Leaf team that should come out loaded for bear and just and give them a thrashing. Yeah, that's that's what I would expect as well. And I have, you know, uh, beating up on the Ottawa Senators, a bit of a hobby horse of mine, but they've kind of made it easy on me on me lately. And I think that, you know, for whatever I've said about Montreal, there's a lot more talent on that team than there is on Ottawa. They have some high end guys when Kachuk's in the lineup. Yes. Shabbat when he's when he's going well, of course, of course. But there's no reason you shouldn't take care of business against that team. All right. One final game. I'll, I'll play with you and I'll get the both of you to weigh in here before we uh, before we wrap things up here. William Nylander, first star. Jack Campbell, second star. We're not going to give Jake Allen a third star here on Leafs Nation postgame because why would I give a Montreal Canadiens player a star? If I am giving you the option to give one more star to a Leaf, is it too simple to just say Pierre Engvall? Mm, I'll go. How about this one? I'll go with Justin Hall for that shot block. How's that sound? Love it. Love it. Gord, do you have a third star for us? So, Sorry, the first two are Nylander and Campbell. Oh, I'd give Engvall the third one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, uh, you, you look at Sam's attention span isn't very big, so he just gets one <laughs> shot and a shiny, shiny white object, and he goes You're with that. Bang you on, know. Gordo. You know I, me I, well. I look, I look at the complete body of work in a full 60 minutes. Oh, the way, uh, the way, the way his night was going, I, I'm a little surprised that Sam McKee didn't give his third star of the night to Alfonso Davies uh, for the big mm. goal he scored for Canada's soccer team. There you go, bud. That's the last we're talking about it, but I snuck that in there uh, just, you. just for you. Uh, really, really fun show today, uh, Gord. We got our flow going in the preseason, and, you know, I'll, I'll even say with our little technical difficulties off the top there, it was almost like the first 10 minutes of the Leafs game. But guess what? We come back. We battle back. I don't know what our power play goal was. Maybe that was Justin Bourne coming through. Maybe that's what it was, but we, we, we were resilient and we battled through a great first show in the regular season. We'll be back tomorrow night, Gord. Yeah, Justin Bourne's the only guy who didn't drop out. The three of us did at different times, so maybe cast. he's the guy that killed the two-person penalty. But, I hey, looking forward. The game is on the Fan 590 tomorrow, so we got it, so can't wait. There it is. There it is. Producer Sam McKee, Justin Bourne. Thanks to both of those. Thanks to you for listening. Gord Stellick, Brent Gunning here with you for Leafs Nation postgame. We'll be with you after every single game throughout the season and hopefully a lengthy playoff run. Thank you for listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network.